1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Great to be with you tonight. Hope you're getting ready for the weekend settling in. And uh, we have a couple of really important guests on. And I I think you probably know by now, you follow the rhythm of the program. We do the opening, the wink, what you need to know. And then at the end, we close, wrap some things up. Sometimes we'll make it into what you need to do, other things. And then usually two interviews. And uh, today, two great interviews. One interview that I'm glad I could pick up. I I had this on my radar. I wanted to get it for us, meaning you, the listeners, and me, to figure out. Figure out what exactly did the uh, Israeli-United Arab Emirates deal, you know, this peace deal from about 10 days ago, what does it mean? What does it mean and why? So we got a great guest, a coordinator of Judaic studies at the University of Central Florida, expert on this topic, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Kenneth Hansen. He'll join us and explain that. And then a real treat for me is to have a gentleman named uh, Bob Woodson. Uh, Bob Woodson is a a founder, the founder of a... um, an organization uh, that uh, he, it's called the Woodson Center it's been around for a long time and he is uh, an African American Christian gentleman and he's going to tell us in part why the 1619 Project the New York Times effort to talk about slavery is um, bad for African Americans a fascinating man he's really an extraordinary guy so we'll talk to uh, uh, Bob Woodson I think I'll call him Mr. Robert Woodson and call him Mr. Woodson when I talk to him because he's uh, my elder and, and uh, very respected guy so we'll talk to him I so said It'll be great. All right, I, I got a few things I need to, to uh, get off my chest and what you need to know. And I've, I've decided I'm going to do this by making sure that each time we do what you need to know... I'm going to talk about three things that you need to know and and ultimately the big one. OK, so the big one in this case is going to be Joe Biden's speech uh, last night. And we'll get to that at the end of this. I'll go through the three. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, a couple other things, because what I find is on the wink, I need I have things I want to tell you about and I don't get to it. And so then I run out of time. And so I'm just going to do this by I'm going to make sure that I cover all three of these things and we go from there. OK, so that is my um, that is my. Um, uh, thought on this. So here's the um, here's the first part of this. Um, the uh, it it was extraordinary. It is extraordinary to watch so many people um, who are um, uh, wa- you know viewing for four days uh, the situation and the uh, the Democratic uh, convention, and they don't talk about any issue. So here's the first issue I want you to think about. You know, it, it came to the President of the United States' attention. He talked about it today in, the, in a speech. He gave a speech in uh, I think in Virginia. Uh, the President Trump did earlier today. And he said, can you believe it? The Democrats uh, had this incredible moment where they took God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Now, if you've been listening closely to the program here, we talked about this a couple days ago, because it was, I think, Tuesday night that the Pledge of Allegiance was led by some gentleman and he took under God out of the pledge. And as we talked about in the program, under God was put in the pledge by Congress in 1954, I think um, could have been 53, but 53 or 54. So, and that's interesting enough, right? That okay, can you believe it? Is is it possible that that is actually uh, happening? Which made me what I want to tell you to think about is what did what did the what did the Democrats mean to say? I mean, what you need to know right now is what did they over four days? What did they say? They said orange man bad. Okay, that was one thing. And then they mostly said personalities are cool hyphenated Americans are cool. Now the first part, her personalities are cool. The Democrats are pretty good at telling stories that are uh, or they like. To to Tell stories about people that can be compelling and pull your heartstrings, right? So, when Gab- Gabby Gifford, Gab- Gabrielle Gifford, the former congresswoman, stood up there and she had been shot in the head, if you remember this years ago, and she spoke. I hadn't seen her speak. You know, she almost died, and her recovery was so slow. And I did see her various times of recovery, and to see her up there and speaking, it was compelling. I mean, I didn't agree with what she said as a policy matter, but it was compelling. And I didn't agree at all with the uh, the, the parade of illegal alien uh, illegal immigrants. The the women, the mother and two daughters, where they had they want poly, they want Doc, and all. But it's kind of comp- It's not kind of. It's compelling to see a mother talk about her two daughters. One of them has disabilities in a wheelchair, right? There's they, they, the Democrats are not bad at that. They're in fact they're good at it. We, we should be willing to acknowledge they will tell the stories of people. Now the problem over these four days was. They slipped into hyphenated American, right? That it was this hyphenated American group, that hyphenated American group. And it, it starts to pit people against each other. So if you thought to yourself, well, uh, you know, what you, and what you need to know. If you thought, well, they took God out of uh, the pledge. They talk about people, but they hyphenated every American. It's kind of weird. What did they stand for? Well, the second thing I want to tell you is there is a platform, 92 page platform that the Democrats released of what they believe, what their party stands for. And one of the big fights was the pro-life Democrats. There are some left. They wanted to include a a tolerance plank that you could be pro-life and be a Democrat. And they were beaten back by the Democrats. So the 92-page pro-life, de- uh, excuse me, the uh, Democrat platform has no room in it for a pro-lifer. Now, this isn't a surprise to us because we've been talking for a few months about Daniel uh, Daniel Lipinski, the Illinois congressman who has been in office for, I don't know, 10 or 12 years. His father was in office for 25 years. And the Lipinskis are pro-life Democrats. And in the primary, Daniel Lipinski was challenged by a Pelosi-backed, AOC-backed, squad-backed left-winger who was pro-abortion And Lipinski lost, so the last Republican. Excuse me, the last pro-life. Democrat in the U.S. House is gone. So my point here is at what you need to know. There was a platform promulgated. It does include uh, not Medicare uh, Medicare for all by name. They were able to fight that off. <laughs> Biden's people didn't want to say that because once you say Medicare for all, everyone with Medicare knows they're about to lose it because it will destroy Medicare. Instead, they had some sort of uh, a public option on steroids for health care, which means everyone's going to get health care. We're going to destroy the health care system. So, the, my point here is there is a platform, and the other thing the platform has is lots of hyphenated Americans. Protections. But if you're a black man, you're not mentioned. You know, you're, if, but if you're an LBGT, lots of protection, lots of tolerance. You know, if you're a working white guy, you know, a white woman in a, in a factory in Ohio, not, there's not much mentioning there. Not, not at all. So, the, my, you're not in the right hyphenated group. But so what I'm saying is that, you know, there is a platform and that they didn't talk about it tells you something, right? If they talked about people, when they talked about people, they didn't say our plank, our party plank, our platform says amnesty for all. Pathway to citizenship is amnesty for all the illegals. 22 million. 20 if you got up at the democrat national convention this week and said we want to give amnesty for 22 million illegal immigrants illegal aliens who are here How do you think that would sell so they don't say it, but they published it They published it same thing with abortion tax dollars for abortion If you got up at the at the democrat convention and said we want tax dollars to go to abortion in medicaid in any, you know In any public option very unpopular so they don't say it's in the it's in the platform it's in the platform. So the, the fact is they ran on voices. They ran on fluff in this week for four days and then they got to. But there is an underlying uh, set of policy beliefs and you can see it when you see people like Elizabeth Warren on screen, which brings me to my last point on what you need to know. Last thing you need to know is Joe Biden gave a speech last night. 20 minute speech, 20 minutes, the shortest by far of any acceptance of a nomination by a major presidential uh, candidate in history. Maybe modern history. I don't think we know back past a certain point. But Biden read it off a teleprompter 20 minutes and people said, wow, he read it really great. It's amazing. And everybody said it's the greatest thing. He's unbelievable. It's greatest thing. All that. Here's the thing. It was a it was a dark speech. As President Trump said earlier today, his view of darkness, Biden's view of a darkness in America contrasts with Trump's view of greatness in America. And, and what Biden is saying is darkness, darkness, darkness. And here's what the betrayal of, of this nation is by Joe Biden and why he won't win. He based his 20 minute speech in large part on the Charlottesville hoax, the fine people hoax, where after the Charlottesville incident where there was bad people marching and all this ugliness a few years ago, Donald Trump said the following thing. He said there are fine people on both sides of this debate. And about eight words later in the same video without being prompted, he said, and I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis or the white uh, nationalists. Those people should be condemned completely. That's what he said. The media runs the first clip and has indoctrinated a third of America to believe that Donald Trump praised neo-Nazis and white nationalists. It's a lie. And Joe Biden knows it, and he based his campaign last night on a lie that is causing a third of Americans... A third of our nation have been beaten into believing by CNN and by MSNBC and by Joe Biden to believe that something like that is true and that will tear the country apart. So Joe Biden's message after all these personality plays and all this silliness and a lot of it was really embarrassing. But after he's all done, he bases his I can bring us together what they were saying with an angry speech based on a lie. It's unbelievable. And it's a lie that will destroy the country. And frankly, at this point, between Joe Biden's lie and the ongoing effort by the left to say the elections can't be held because of the we need mail in voting and it's going to be at this point, it feels like they just want to destroy the country. That's what it feels like. And what you need to know is at a certain point, you cannot say, oh, well, Joe Biden's a nice guy. He may be a nice guy. I think probably I don't know. But what he's doing right now, how he's running, how they're positioning him, is terrible for the country. That's what you need to know. All right, we got to take a break. We come back. We will talk with these couple of great guests and get some uh, real updates, especially coming up, Dr. Hansen, on the Israeli UAE deal. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Uh, And I was, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a couple of days since I, since we were able to book him. Our next guest is Dr. Kenneth Hansen, and he is the uh, coordinator of the Judeo, excuse me, Judaic Studies at the University of Central Florida down in Orlando. And he's an author of a couple different books on the Dead Sea Scrolls and others. Uh, and he is going to help us kind of walk through the Israeli UAE peace deal, what it means and where we think it's going. So first of all, welcome Dr. Hansen. How are you?
0: Great, good to be with you this afternoon, and one shalom from the University of Central Florida.
1: Well, thank you. And thanks for the, the chance to be together. So um, tell me, you know, we, we, the, the coverage was really brisk. I mean, we're living in a world where it seems like the coverage of any major news story goes about three days and then we move on to the next either crisis or uh, hurricane or convention. So um, in this case, Israel and the UAE announced this deal. What exactly did it mean? What's it mean day to day? What's it? How does it fit into what a peace deal uh, kind of can mean to the layman like me?
0: Yeah, it was just a week ago, and how quickly we move on. It's a shame, because this is major. This this is like an earthquake across the Middle East, potentially, at least potentially. Because we're talking about a real peace, a normalization of relations between Israel and a very, very important player, Arab nation in the Middle East, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, Having lived in Israel for several years... I also worked in a war zone in Lebanon, by the way. And let hmm. me tell you, wow. it, 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 it's unbelievable the way Israel has been surrounded by enemies from the day it was born, back in 1948. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. It's been just struggling to stay alive in the face of neighbors who want to push her into the sea. Now, Israel has in the past made peace agreements with two other Arab states, which were both major developments, Egypt, back in the days of Anwar Sadat, back in 1979, and then with the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan, another peace deal. And yet somehow, okay, it was basically a A ceasefire, uh, officially a peace deal, but nothing really that incredible came from this. In fact, Israel had to surrender the Sinai Peninsula back to Egypt, uh, the the Sinai, which it had conquered back in the 1967 Six-Day War. And this is a huge piece of territory in comparison to the rest of Israel. It would be like the United States giving away everything west of the Mississippi River in order for a piece of paper Hmm. that says peace. That's how much it surrendered wow. and then and then with Jordan uh, Israel agreed to the Oslo Accords that basically formed what we call today the Palestinian Authority which has turned into a total disaster uh, s- setting up a Palestinian semi-autonomous Semi-state on the West Bank of the Jordan River, though Jews call it Judea and Samaria. That hadn't worked out Mm -hmm. too well either. But now, for the first time, we've gotten an agreement that's not about land for peace, which is a joke. It's about peace for peace. And isn't that incredible? Mm
1: well it is and so um and again we're talking with uh, dr. Kenneth Hansen from uh, down at the University of Central Florida so what happens next I mean the, the history of it was kind of breathtaking everybody went wow and then I know I heard the president reference that they'll probably bring the leaders over to the White House to have a uh, and, and between now and that time they'll work out the details is this the is the, is, the, is the what will is what we'll see be um you know trade I did read somewhere that the 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 openness of Israel to allow UAE um, uh, pilgrims to come to some holy sites that they recognize in, that they recognize in Jerusalem. I mean, what, what, what will it, the signs of this peace agreement be?
0: Absolutely, we're talking about tourism, direct flights between Tel Aviv and Dubai. Can you imagine? And sure, there are Muslims who want to come visit the third holiest site in Islam, which is the the Dome of the Rock. Uh, In in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about financial agreements. We're talking about cooperation in high tech. A lot of people don't realize that Israel is one of the leading high tech nations on the planet. If you grab your cell phone, you know, there's a pretty decent chance that the chip inside your cell phone was manufactured in Israel. Incredible! Israel is leaps and bounds uh, ahead in terms of high tech. They've pioneered drip irrigation techniques, desalination plants. Can you imagine? Uh, and the UAE is such an Arab land, arid, arid. I meant to say land. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Here you can take yeah. you can take water out of uh, salt water, right, out of the ocean, and make it drinkable. And Israel has six of these desalination plants all along its coast. But beyond that, strategically. This probably will open the door to other Arab states making similar normalization, quote-unquote, peace deals with the state of Israel. Bahrain, for example, Uh, Saudi Arabia, and they face a common enemy. And I I think that's what has precipitated this in Iran, the the disastrous Iran deal, uh, which thankfully this administration has ripped up. And and now, even as we speak, is pursuing snapback sanctions on Iran, which continues to pursue nuclear weapons, not only nuclear weapons, but intercontinental ballistic missiles, ICBMs. Now, they don't need ICBMs to strike Israel. Iran doesn't. What what are you going to do with ICBMs? You marry nuclear weapons to ICBMs, and you're talking about threatening the United States of America. Now,
1: um, a lot of Arab
0: states have a common interest with Israel to confront Iran, and, and that is also very much behind this agreement.
1: Hmm. Uh, Dr. Ken Hansen, uh, again from the University of Central Florida, I want to go back to the uh, the idea of peace spreading. Um, you, you mentioned that um, some other nations have sort of made noise uh, soon after. It, it, what's the What's the likelihood that, say, Saudi Arabia joins the parade? I mean, that's the big that's the uh, that's the um, you know elephant in the room to, to mess with uh, a, a Western metaphor for for the Middle East. But what's the chances it spreads that far?
0: Yeah, well. I think Bahrain is probably next, but once you get ahead of steam on this movement, I think the Saudis are likely to join. Now, who, who knows in terms of the timeline how long that will be, but it's a very, very positive development. However, there's always a caveat, and that is that Israeli settlements in the West Bank, that is Judea and Samaria, are now no longer to be recipients of Israeli sovereignty the sovereignty plan that was on the table as part of Trump's deal of the century, announced back January, Israel could at last enfranchise half a million Jews who live across the Green Line, essentially, in ancient Jewish land, but land claimed by the Palestinians. Why not just give them Israeli enfranchisement, for heaven's sakes? extend Israeli law over these Jewish settlements in this area? That is now off the table. And that's according to hmm. Jared Kushner and Donald Trump himself. And, and uh, the Israelis were so ecstatic about the chance to, to, to get enfranchisement in this regular state of Israel. And now that is gone, at least for now. And it, 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 it's a real problem. It, it, it's a real difficulty. Uh, I, I like to say that for all the honey, there's always a thorn involved when it comes to <laughs> that's the police. The, and that's the sticking point. That's the thorn.
1: Well, and, by, and that's probably why, though, that the, uh, that, uh, the UAE could, if I can say it the right way, could get away with this because they said, look what we did. You know, by, 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 uh, this deal, we got Israel to pull back. I mean, you know, the, the, the I hate to sound like this is a little too easy to say, but the art of the deal in the, in the case of anybody knows, uh, if you're going to try to get an agreement, everybody has to have some way to think they won. And so at least it feels like they it. can say they won. So, so, but now again, back one more question about, uh, again, we're, and and, and Dr. Kenneth, Hanson from the University of Central Florida, uh, who is the coordinator of the Judaic studies there, the center there is um, what happens next, though? Is it done? I mean, do we have a period where there's going to be a negotiation and there's going to have to be or could by the first of the year there be flights uh, between these two countries?
0: Well, I'm optimistic. I, I, I really think it's going to move very, very quickly, because that is clearly what the UAE wants. They see that Iranian menace. They want help to stand against it. And, and Israel, there are already a lot of Israel, Israelis who have been traveling back and forth uh, to the UAE unofficially, right? Um, but now it's all going to be above board, official. It's going to move along quickly, and and that is really, really good news.
1: Well, it certainly is. And here's the thing is, uh, I, I don't, I mean, maybe somebody else did. I, I don't think most Americans saw it coming, right? So that once again, President Trump is, uh, he's, he's, things are happening. You can say what you want. One of the funny things about the Democrat convention is they said, oh, it doesn't seem like he's interested, Obama said, it doesn't seem like he's interested in the job. It seems like he's interested in the job more than anybody ever. He's doing more stuff and more action all across the world. So, well, listen, thank you, Dr. Kenneth Hansen, uh, from the, the coordinator of the Judaic and, studies. And by the way, uh,
0: c- and by the way I've, yeah. I've written a, a new book. Book called Who's Holy Land? Who's Holy Land? Oh. Archaeology meets geopolitics in today's Middle East. Check it out. Just go to Amazon.com, or you can go to my website, Doctor Ken Hansen.com. All one word: Doctor Ken Hanson. H a n s o n.com.
1: Great. Thank you for doing that. I'll, I'll make sure I see it now. I also see it there. I'll put it up on. I'll put it up on social media. We'll have you back again, Doctor Ken Hanson. Appreciate it very much. We got to take a break though, and we'll be right back. Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Back in a moment Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. You know I've been looking forward to talking to this man for a while, uh, Mr. Robert L. Woodson, Sr. He's the founder and the president of the Woodson Center. I've seen him on TV. I've seen him speak in different settings. He's back in 1981. Uh, he set up the Woodson Center, and he the the mission of the Woodson Center. If you go to their website, uh, is you'll see that it's it's mission is not small, sir. You know, it's a the goal is to uh, empower folks and to and to get people. Let me read it. Senator Transform lives, schools, troubled neighborhoods from the inside out. That's the thing that's interesting. And so, welcome, sir, to the program, Mr. Woodson. How are you, sir?
2: Just pleased to be here.
1: So, I'm grateful to have you on. And for our listeners, I want to, I saw an interview you did. One of the things that I, I was looking at about uh, three, three, two or three weeks ago on um, CBN News, and, and that we were talking about the 1619 Project. And for those that are listening that may not know, Mr. Woodson happens to be an African American. It doesn't matter to me, except that it does. And when he answers this question, he's got a little bit different perspective than me. But the, 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 the question that was answered is why the 1619 Project by the New York Times hurts black Americans? And can you answer that? that question? Because I think it was the way you did it, I saw it, it was very powerful.
2: Yeah, well first of all, it, the, the, the whole uh, theme of 1619 is to redefine America not by its legitimate birth date of 1776 with the signing of the Declaration of Independence, but they incorrectly uh, define America's birth date of 1619 when the first 20 African slaves arrived. They go on to say that uh, because many of the uh, uh, signers of the Declaration of Independence were slaveholders, therefore the document they signed was flawed, and, and America is uh, defined not by freedom and justice for all, but by slavery, and that the shadow of slavery hangs over the nation, and therefore they conclude that all whites are victims and, and, and enjoy the privilege of, of slavery and there and and therefore all blacks are victims and they mm-hmm. also uh, uh, conclude that many of the problems facing low-income black communities today the out of wedlock birth the crime or somehow uh, is the shadow of slavery and and and, and Jim Crow and since they, mm-hmm. but they really are using it to de- to denigrate the country and they're using race they have hijacked the rich legacy of the civil rights movement to really denigrate this country and, and really trying to change it—it's a Marxist movement. That's what it really, what it is. But since they use black—the um, issue of race—as the bludgeon against this country, we thought that the messengers in to challenge and protect and defend this nation should also be blacks. So we put together a group of 25 plus uh, black scholars and activists, not just blacks, but others, but we are the ones providing the leadership. And as a veteran of the civil rights movement, um, I know that what we all sacrifice over the years is in recognition that slavery is America's birth defect, but no one should be defined by their birth defect, and but hmm. defined by its promise. And so we are, yeah. we are putting up a counterforce, not a counterargument, but providing evidence that when whites are at their worst, blacks are at their best. Twenty blacks who were born hmm. slaves died millionaires.
1: Hmm. Wow. Uh, we're talking with uh, with uh, Mr. Woodson, the founder of the Woodson Center, Robert Woodson. By the way, the website is 1776unites.com. I want to make sure people know that because it is a powerful uh, force. Um, I want to go one more thing. I want to go back to one more thing, though, because I, I can't resist this. When I look at the Woodson Center and its founding, you talk from the inside out, helping folks that are in need, especially schools. You know, it seems to me I'm from Missouri and St. Louis that the St. Louis school system is one of the most, you talk, if there's things that are racist, uh, if there's a system that's racist, the urban schools are racist. And and I'm the white guy, so what do I know? I'm not, from that. But I got to ask you, If is, is there a failure as profound as our public school system when it comes to low-income people? Forget their color for a minute. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't it?
2: Well, yes, but see, the reason that it's very, see, the questions that, that people don't want to address, and they are using race as a ruse, as a means to prevent. Them. If race were the the problem facing the inner cities, those inner city systems have been run by black, to the democratic, liberal, democratic officials for the past 15 years. They have spent mm-hmm. expended 22 trillion dollars on programs to aid the poor, and poverty has not gone down. So the question is, if racism is the culprit then why are blacks failing in systems run by their own people? Mm -hmm. So obviously race is not the issue. It is corruption and incompetence, and and to avoid having to confront that reality, they're using race to deflect attention away from the failures of these policies uh, uh, over the past 50 years.
1: So what when you when you but you, you know, you care about the community you serve and and the Woodson Center is reaching out and but you, the cycle doesn't seem to improve. In fact, if it, if it feels maybe like it's worse, you know, St. Louis City, where I, w- I live for many years, it was getting worse and worse. And as you point out, it was being run by one party and heavily, you know, more and more African-Americans in the leadership position. It was getting worse and worse. So how, how is it? It feels like a cycle that nobody's breaking out of. Well, what we're
2: doing at 1776 is we're going back since in the past and and telling the the proper. See, blacks right now are being told that if they're in failing schools, if they're killing each other in record numbers, it's because of institutional racism. And nothing is more lethal than to provide a good excuse for someone's failure. And, Hmm. and, And so what we're doing is going back in time that uh, when Black America was denied access to hotels, we built our own. We had our own schools. We closed the education gap between 1920 and 1940 in the South from three years to six months because Booker T. Washington and Julius Rosenwald, the CEO of Sears, they, they uh, collaborated to build 5,000 schools for rural Blacks. Um, mm. the, during the 30 years of the Depression, when, when racism was enshrined in law the, and, and unemployment was, was 40% in the black community, we, our marriage rate was the highest. So our Christian hmm. faith and our marriage insulated us against the kind of, of violence and self-destruction that they're witnessing today. So for them hmm. to say that somehow institutional racism is responsible for these failures is patently untrue because we have evidence that in, in during the Depression in Chicago, for instance, in 1929, 731 blacks owned their own businesses, $100 million in real estate assets in 1929, out-of-wedlock birth births in 15%. These are facts that hmm. people need to know. And if racism were the culprit, then how were we able to achieve those great things? during those very troubled times.
1: Well, I mean, I can't. I I can't disagree with you. We're, talk, we're talking with uh, Robert Woodson, uh, the founder of the Woodson Center, and uh, so the, about Donald Trump. Uh, the last four days in the Democrat uh, convention, we had you know uh, darkness. You know, Joe Biden talking about how how terrible everything is and how you know scary America is. And then the president today he said the phrase. You know, he said that his vision of America is darkness. He said, "I think America's got greatness." What's your experience? You've been around. You've been. You know, you're not a kid. You've seen a lot of presidents. You've seen a lot of politicians. What's your uh, assessment of uh, President Trump and his administration?
2: Well, I think when it comes to to, uh, addressing some of the uh, practical realities of black life, uh, unemployment is the lowest. Prison reform is very dear to to many. Uh, I think he's done a lot to create jobs. Uh, We have the lowest unemployment in African-Americans in over 30 or 40 years, and uh, in fact, in, in in the in the gubernatorial race in Florida, where Governor DeSante was running against Gillum, the black uh, mayor of Tampa, he won by 32,000 votes, and that's because 100,000 blacks voted for the Republican candidate, even though President Obama and Oprah Winfrey came in and campaigned for the black candidate. So black America hmm. in the, in the Florida race demonstrated that they're more than willing to put issues over race. Uh, and I think that's what they'll do in this election as well. I think they will look at both candidates and not allow, allow themselves to, to be narrowly defined. The assumption is that black people think about nothing but race. And if you pander to them on the issue of race the way the Democrats are doing, therefore they'll vote. I think there's going to be an awakening on that one. You're going to see the kind of sophistication and independence that you saw in Florida reflected in the national uh, voting as well.
1: Hmm. Very good. Well, thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Woodson. Uh, Woodson Center, I'll put it all up on social media. Uh, inspirational to, to hear that. Robert L. Woodson Sr., uh, the founder and the president there. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break, and again, I'll put all that up on social media. Extraordinary, uh, work they do, and his perspective. Uh, just and if you haven't seen him on TV, he's been on Fox and everywhere. He's uh, Mr. Woodson's amazing. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on the Answer, San Diego.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. A daily look at the significant issues of our time from an experienced conservative perspective. Sponsored by Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, this broadcast continues the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly and stands against forces that mock traditional values, slander America, and redefine the family. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin.
1: Cardinal Timothy Dolan, Archbishop of New York, wrote a stunning and humbling defense of monuments being targeted throughout our nation. In his opinion piece for the Wall Street Journal, Cardinal Dolan took the kind of measured approach to history that people on both sides of the aisle could stand to emulate. Here's what Cardinal Dolan, who's trained as a historian, wrote, I want to remember the good and the bad, and recall with gratitude how even people who have an undeniable dark side can let light prevail and leave the world better. The Cardinal is right. Unless you're making a statue of Jesus himself, you will never make a statue of a perfect person. History is made by imperfect people. Some were truly evil and did nothing good for humanity. But some strove to make the world a better place in spite of their flaws. We need to recognize those imperfect people who fought to make the world better. This is bigger than just giving a pat on the back to people who do a good job. Our future is as much at stake as our past. Cardinal Dolan made it clear that defacing, tearing down, and hiding statues and portraits is today's version of Puritan book-burning. He continued, Our children need to know their country's past, its normative figures, and their virtues and vices. Just like the Cardinal wrote, our children deserve to know the history of figures depicted in statues. Statues are meant to inspire people to take action of their own. Children need to know that even flawed people can make a difference. You don't have to be perfect to make the world better. If we demonize any historical figure with any flaw, there will be no one left to inspire our children. In the end, when we try to erase history, the only people we hurt are ourselves and our children. More people need to take a hint from Cardinal Timothy Dolan. We don't need to celebrate the mistakes of our forefathers, but we must remember, tearing down beloved monuments and statues tears down our hope for a brighter future, even for we Imperfect people.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. It's no secret that globalists are bent on destroying Western culture. Whether the threat comes from inside or outside our borders, America must be protected from cultural Marxism and those who would deny American sovereignty. We're seeking your insight at PhyllisSchlafly.com. That's PhyllisSchlafly.com. And join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back, Ed Martin. Here on the Pro America Report. Great to be with you as you head into this great weekend. I hope you're planning to have a uh, have a relaxing time, unless you're working. And then uh, I don't know, then you won't be relaxing. Tomorrow morning, just hours from now, about six hours, seven hours, eight hours from now, uh, f- uh, f- six a.m. East Coast time, where I am, I'll be doing a live speech to the Saturday night dinner of the Australian uh, Pro Life uh, Federation. I think that's the title. I'll get it down before uh, I give the speech in a few hours, but I'm going to give this speech to them actually I recorded part of the speech and then I'm going to come on to do Q&A, but I'll be up at I don't know, 5 o'clock in the morning to get ready and give the speech but they have their Saturday night event uh, and the, it's all being done from distance because they're having a China virus problems in Australia too, so that'll be very interesting, it's given me a chance to spend some time reviewing uh, the pro-life legislation and court decisions in the last few, uh, about six months and um, the last few years actually too so i uh, will be fun to do, but I'll be doing that this weekend, so then I will also be um, finding time, I'm sure, to relax and do other things, but that's what I'm thinking about right now in just a few hours. so. But anyway, I hope you have a great weekend and, and you have things to relax. Now, I'm going to reveal to you how the president can um, win a re-election 100% guaranteed today, and it's no problem. It's all over. So he should spend the whole weekend tweeting that the Big Ten... And the Pac-12 actually, but the Big Ten should go back and play football, and that the Big Ten should uh, change its mind on their rules on on what they did uh, on their ruling, so they go back. Because today there was a protest in Chicago earlier today in Chicago, Illinois. Parents from um, t- a play- parents of players in the Big Ten went to Chicago to um, to complain. Uh, about the fact that their um, that their sons uh, couldn't play football, and it was it didn't go you know deaf ears right they don't care they didn't I don't think they really care too much um, uh, Big Ten you know, parents don't have any stake the the uh, it's the university presidents that own a conference right that that are the ones that vote in the conference but the point is that the um, they're making their voice heard and I'm just telling you this right now in places where the Big Ten are strong you know Penn State football. Uh, Ohio State, um, you know, Michigan, you, you go across that part of the country, uh, Wisconsin, and now think about what I just said. Big Ten is basically swing states. These swing states or at least in the, in the in the history or in the tradition and in what they think this election will be those are the those are the swing states right so if if the president is just on the side of hey let these let these kids play football let them play football figure it out um it's i don't know it's Michigan Michigan state both Ohio state Penn state uh, Indiana University, that's not as important because of the, uh, uh, of the, um, necessarily the, um, um, you know, that Maryland's not probably going to switch. Uh, Illinois, though, I, I forgot this one. University of Iowa. University of Nebraska, uh, Minnesota. Those that are, that's another swing. Minnesota's a swing state. The polling in Minnesota is very close right now because a lot of the people in Minnesota are sick of a lot of the policies that have transformed Minneapolis, among others. But in the collar counties around Minneapolis, there's a, there's, there's red voters and then there's sort of Trump voters. University of Wisconsin. So think about that. If the president just went on a tear and all weekend long said they should be able to play football, let the kids play football. They can figure it out. You know, even if you have to play just Big Ten schools, that let them let them figure it out. And by the way, he should do the same thing with the um, he should do the same thing with the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 gets you Arizona and Arizona State. I mean, I, I, even I don't think there's a way that the president can win uh, California. But if you get if you get uh, Arizona, Arizona State and you get um you know i uh, won in washington and washington they can't win washington but my, you see my point that's a good one arizona a lot of arizona fans a lot and a lot of fans in arizona of of schools like ucla and and uh, and uh, generally just football you know, oh university of colorado that's another one so you see my point i'm sorry i didn't have my list in front of me of all these but you, you, if you see my point here the president can just say hey you guys make millions of dollars millions of dollars and I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars off of football and you can figure it out and you can figure out how to keep everybody safe and let them play football. Don't let them use it, lose a year of their life. Don't let them lose a year of their eligibility. Don't let them use any of that. And I think right there, again, you think about the places that people uh, are not paying attention to elections yet. You know, we're 74 days out. I think it is 74 days till election day. A lot of people still are not checking in yet. They they know it's coming, and they're kind of you know they're aware of it. Uh, but you know what? They're really aware of lots of people. Lots of people that are going to be looking up is the football, and they're not even they're not even realizing that the football seasons are canceled. They've heard it, but until you get to uh, you know a Saturday in late September, and there's no football. And you're a Penn State fan or there's no football and you're in Michigan and that you're a Michigan fan or a Michigan State fan. It's going to get uh, it's going to be an issue that people are going to be aware of. And I just think the president could win. By the way, this is not totally original to me. I've heard a couple of comments uh, by Clay Travis, who does a radio show, I think, down based in uh, Ohio or in Cincinnati. And he said something similar to this about Big Ten. But Big Ten and Pac-12, you could just make a you could make a huge impact. And here's the thing. Most people believe it, right? I mean, you're seeing schools getting uh, uh, more and more parents getting frustrated with the schools and it's being revealed that it's the school teachers unions and the the politics behind it that's holding them back. So that's it, Mr. President. Just go on a Twitter tear for Big Ten football, Pac-12 football, and the election's over. There you have it. My advice. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. I hope you get a chance to relax. Thank you, as always, to Noah, our great technical director who keeps everything going, Joanna, for booking our great guests, and especially our guests. Don't forget, don't forget visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, to find more and follow all the stuff and sign up for the win. Have a great weekend. Excuse me. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you Monday.